thankful that you are here. We are seeing some of our family members back in the house, and we are so excited. We are excited to see all of your family members in the house of the Lord today. It's just a great day to be alive and believing in Jesus and knowing who we belong to, who died, who resurrected, who promised us he's coming again. And we have hope of living with him forever and ever. Praise God. Let's all stand. We're going to open with prayer. And I probably say this every Sunday, and I probably will to the day I take my last breath. But if you have come to this house today with a need, even if you don't know what to ask for, you are in the right place for God to answer. Amen. And sometimes that answer is just a step in the direction that he wants to lead you in. He is faithful to speak to us. Yeah. So I want to encourage you today, whatever it is, don't be afraid to ask. Because he's waiting for you to ask. He said, ask and he shall receive. And when we seek him, he does not fail to show up. Amen. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands to him. We worship you, Jesus. We celebrate you, God. We celebrate all that you have done for us, Lord. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts for making the difference in our lives, Lord God. For giving us hope of eternal life, Lord Jesus. We bless your name today. We have come to celebrate you and everything that you are. Amen. In Jesus' name, praise God.
for him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain is not going to reach the point where it could form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love. And my voice, you see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits, that it's hard to even send the praise of. You see, if there are words for him, then I don't have them. My God, his grace is remarkable. His mercies are innumerable. Strength is impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He's unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generations. He's the king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few, and in trying to capture the one true God using my vocabulary would never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a Savior, a Savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise, so I use words. My heart extols the Lord and blesses his name forever. He has won my heart, he has captured my mind, and he has bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion. He's conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence, completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning and drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. The words are just tools that we use to point to the truth. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, giving nothingness formation. And by his word he sustains, in the power of his name. For he is before all things, and over all things he reigns. Holy is his name. So praise him for his life. The way he persevered in strife, the humble Son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. So praise him for his death, that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, and that he battled our enemy, and on the third day rose in victory. These are not just words that I proclaim, for my words point to the word, and the word has a name, hope has a name, joy has a name, peace has a name, love has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ.
Praise God. Isn't it exciting to live for God? Praise God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Happy Easter to all. We welcome you all into the presence of the Lord. Thank you for being with us today, all of our guests. Thank you for joining us in celebration. Praise God. I need uh, to just take a moment. God's doing something amazing right now. And I'm listening and stalling at the same time. I've got about 15 million things going through my spirit right now. And I need to narrow that down or we'll be here all day. <laughs> so while I'm thinking and talking at the same time, I'm asking you to pay attention to your emails this week. We've got a million things happening here at Spirit of Grace Church in the next five or six weeks. And uh, we want you all to be aware of it and be prepared for it. Two weeks from today on April 18th, it's going to be a very special service. Uh, we are classifying that service as a baby and child dedication and water baptism Sunday. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We've got several that have called that have wanted to be baptized. And so we, we will do it as often as we can. And uh, so we're going to have baptism Sunday on that day and then tied together with that day. Uh, we don't believe in infant baptism. Uh, we don't believe it's in scripture because <clears throat> little children, like the one right over here, is pure and innocent in God's eyes. Right. A picture of perfection. Yeah. Now, they may not think so in the middle of the night, but God <laughs> doesn't sleep nor slumber, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Babies are per perfect. They don't need to be baptized in his name until they become aware of doing right and wrong. So we want to, if you have a young infant that would like to be dedicated, but we've also got several new people in our church that have never dedicated their children to the Lord. So I want to invite you to dedicate your children to the Lord. I would say up until the age of when they can understand what water baptism is really about, if you'd like to dedicate them before that. And uh, what we'll do is we will pray over them and we will speak into their spirits whether they understand what they're receiving or not. Um, I was dedicated um, by a man by the name of S.G. Norris years and years and years ago. And some of you were dedicated even more years before that. And uh, and we've done it around here. And uh, we're getting ready to do the fourth Wisegrove dedication. Exciting. So the 18th, that's two weeks from today. We wanted to do it before we get into the summer months and all the chaos of Minnesota summer. So we want to do it in two weeks. Baptism Sunday, child dedication. There's a sign-up sheet on the in the vestibule. You can feel free to do so uh, this afternoon. And then one other thing, we have adjusted our schedule for Grace College. Grace College will no longer be on Monday nights. We are going to move it to Thursday nights. And Catalyst will meet either upstairs or in the office, or and we'll meet here in the sanctuary. We'll have two things going on at once. Catalyst, if you're between the ages of 16 and 24, 25, I encourage you to come on Thursday nights. Paul Weisbrod, 
uh, is doing a wonderful job with that age group and they're meeting together and and uh, we get to recap every Thursday night when comes home and they're excited about serving God. Yeah. And so if that if you fall into those parameters, if you have any questions, Paul is the drummer. Yeah. And uh, he's right over there. You can talk to him after church. So there won't be anything here on Monday nights. Grace College will move to Thursday nights. And then two other things really quick. And we're not moving. We're not missing the momentum of the service. God is still stirring. And so, uh, but there is two other things that are coming up because of the seasonal change. <clears throat> this year, uh, we've had donated a wonderful riding lawnmower for the church. If you would like to be a part of the team that takes care of the lawn, we want to have, you know, if we have 10 people, you maybe have to do it once or twice all summer long. Um, if you would like to be a part of that, and you will see Cheryl uh, Perkins, she's right up here. You have to be 16 years old because you have to be able to drive it. And uh, then on top of that, we're going to try something a little bit different this year. And uh, that is we want to invite our families to get involved with our flower beds. Uh, there are some families that thoroughly enjoy it. In fact, when I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, one of our families caught me mute before I got off the platform, wanting to make sure that their names were on that. And if we can have one or two or even three people, three families set up for each bed. Now, on our work day in May, on the 1st of May, uh, we're going to put mulch in and get everything cleaned up. But then from the rest of the summer, we want to allot certain beds on the property for those families. And if you're interested in being a part of that, you can also see Cheryl. Uh, she'll have uh, get all those names together for us and we'll hear more about that coming up. So I apologize for all the announcements on Easter Sunday, but God is doing some things at Spirit of Grace, and we are moving forward, uh, fast forward into the things of summer and what God has for us. And uh, I'm going to invite you to, I'm going to invite Elena to get upset with me a little bit. You were being <laughs> translational, and she even said, well, we'll see how you do on this. Matthew chapter 27. And I'm going to start at verse number 50. I'm still going to use those other three scriptures as well that I gave her. Um, as we were singing today and worshiping, the Lord began to stir some things up in my spirit. And I thought I knew what I was going to do. I, I say that. I say that all the time. But um, I kind of had two or three things, veins flowing through my spirit over the last couple of days. And I kept trying to figure out how am I tying these three together? And um, I think I figured out how God wants to do it. And so we're going to try to share this with you. Uh, I will tell you that I'm going to take the 30,000 foot view of Easter today. Uh, a lot of times when you hear an Easter message, you're hearing about the empty tomb. You're hearing about the risen Christ. And I'm thankful that the tomb is still empty. And Christ is still risen. I'm thankful that God has done some things in our lives that make it evident that he is still in control and he is still doing what he wants to do among us. But I'm going to incorporate a few different things involved in what I believe is the story of Easter, which to me is the gospel. So reading from Matthew 27, verse number 50, Jesus shouts out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, 
the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. And the bodies of many, many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead, and they left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. You see, we forget about this resurrection. We celebrate Easter and we focus on the resurrection of Christ, and well, we should. But something happened between the time that Christ died and the time that he rose again. There was an earthquake that took place. One of my titles for today was, We're Rockin' and Rollin'. <laughs> then I changed it again and came up with a different one. But uh, notice that when Jesus died... The earth shook and the rocks split apart and the tombs were opened. Something takes place when rocks begin to move. Over in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Verse number 29. Luke 25, well actually, yeah, 29. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor, and many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Well, that's pretty pointed. <laughs> Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Praise God. The rocks that began to shake, the earth that began to shake, was to release the sick people. And the sinners that were lost without the Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die. For an upright, not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad you didn't have to figure it out before you got a hold of the things of God? And then one last passage of scripture in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse number 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead? For someone who is alive, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. 
Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And so I want to change my rock and roll title to a more sane one, Attracting God. Attracting God. Would you just bow your heads where you're at? And just ask God to speak to you. Jesus, by the authority of the word of God, I come against every voice of the enemy that would try to distract, that would try to disturb. I'm asking you, Lord, for a free flow of your spirit. I'm asking you for your anointing from on high to flow from the front to the back and from side to side. I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people and give us ears and hearts and spirits to receive what thus says the word of the Lord. Lord, I'm asking you to invade this place today. Saturate us and consume us with the glory of heaven. Allow us, O oh God, to sense you like we've never sensed you before and allow us to do so without fear, without apprehension. But let us just buy into the things of your spirit today and allow us to grab a hold of the truth of your gospel. For surely you did come to this earth. You did die on a cross. You were buried in a tomb and you rose again and ascended into heaven and have come back to visit your people. And Lord, we sense that anointing presence here today. I'm asking you now to release it in the house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. There is something that happens that God created back in the day that we as humanity don't recognize all the time. And that is simply this. Do you understand that we are spinning in a circle? If not, I have to go to science class this week. And in the midst of our spinning, do you understand that the ground that you stand on is not solid ground? Now, I like to think that the ground is pretty solid, that, that it will hold me up, that, that I can walk without fear of falling into a great big sinkhole or something. But scientists have concluded that the earth is never just in one place but that the ground is always moving. There is always an, an adjustment within the concept of this great big ball that we call Earth. And going down to the very core of, the, of, of this Earth, there is always a moving and a shifting of the, of the plates that are there. And, and what happens when enough pressure gets applied to the plates that are down deep in the Earth is they begin to shift and the pressure and the heat gets so strong that they come into contact with one another and they overlap one another. And when they overlap one another, it sends energy everywhere from the place that it's overlapped. And you and I experience what is known as an earthquake. The, the, the ground begins to shake. Movement begins to happen. Can I just tell you what I believe began to happen when Jesus breathed his last breath? I believe that the depths of earth, if you will, spiritually speaking, received a great amount of pressure from its creator that created something because in the depths or in the deep 
where the abyss might be is where the throne room of our adversary is. We call it hell. And Jesus went in while he was laying in a tomb. He wasn't just relaxing and resting. We even sang about it today. He stepped into the, the, the realm of the enemy and he said, um, come here, sir. I would like the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And then he returned. Well, when the pressure began to push, the earth began to shake. Can I tell you, when the earth begins to shake, things begin to open. Things begin to be revealed. All of a sudden, that which was locked up becomes wide open. And when the angels began to roll a stone away from the tomb of our Lord, it was releasing the almighty power of God. The pressure had built up so much. Death, hell, and the grave had been destroyed at that moment in time. When the angels, and I believe they were angels, began to play bowling with the, the tomb that was in front of the, or the stone that was in front of the tomb and began to push it to the side. And, and the men that, and the guards that were there were as dead men because of the presence of, of heaven that was there. And when Jesus disappears from the tomb, he did so to let you and I know that the ground has shaken. The doors have been opened. There is now an opportunity for you you and I to dwell in the presence of God like never before because the law had been established to keep us out of the presence of God unless we live perfect lives. But God said, I don't need perfect lives. I need perfect examples and perfect people to step into an open tomb. You see, we get excited about Easter <coughs> because we think it's all about the resurrection but Easter did not start on Easter Easter started with three little words in the beginning Make it four. In the beginning, God. In the very beginning of everything, there was God. And God understood something because he created it to be so. He created a desire in his creation to worship and commune with him. And he created the animals and the sky and the stars and the clouds and all the storms to worship him by doing what they were designed to do. But when he breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul, the Bible says that men and women were created in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that inside of us, who we are, there is a divine spark, if you will. There is something called the freedom of a will to choose what you want to choose because God has to choose what he wants to choose. And he chose to give you a choice. And Adam and Eve blew it. And so in God's mind, he already had a plan. 
he already knew what was going to take place. And so he laid out before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, the plan to recover or to restore or to bring back the communion that he wanted from his people. He has been since Adam and Eve sinned, trying to get the attention of mankind not to perfect us, not to give us all kinds of blessings, not to even save us and get us to heaven. He has done all of this first and foremost because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with me. God is not some God way off in the distance, but God is a God that came and drew near to us. And there was something that attracted God to his humanity that he created. It wasn't just the beautiful mountains and the seas and the, and the birds and all the animals that drew God to us. It was you and I that drew God to us. You see, when God realized that man had messed it all up and it caused so many problems, here's what he did. He said, I've got to do something. So the Bible says this, in John chapter 1, it says he became flesh. And we celebrate that at Christmas. And when you hear people talk about the incarnation at Christmas time, what they're really saying is that the great creator of all the universe became like you and me. Became like you and me. That blows my mind. Because the moment that he became like you and me, he had set the path to get to what we're celebrating today. I don't know how old Jesus was as a young boy when he realized, I believe it was at least by the age of 12, because he was teaching in the temple. But whenever it was that he realized, it's only a few more days, only a few more years. I've got some things I gotta get accomplished, but the time is coming when I'm going to accomplish not a temporary thing, but I'm going to accomplish an eternal thing. When I'm going to pay the price for all of sin's humanity, or all of humanity's sins, I'm going to pay the price. I am going, the Bible says he became a curse for us. He paid the ultimate price for us on Calvary. I'm so thankful for these paintings up here. And, and I'll brag on it. This, this was not bought. Somebody thought we bought these at a store. No, this was done by Marianne Newton right back here. Isn't that awesome? He knew that before he was born. And yet he did it anyhow. Why did God come to this earth and lower himself to the role of a human being and have to be changed as a baby and burnt as a baby and had to figure out how to work in a, in a tool shop, in a carpenter shop with his, his earthly father? Why did he have to go along with all of the things that we as humans, why did he have to get tired? 
tired? Why did he have to get hungry? Why did he have to scrape his knees? Why did he have to do this? Why did he have to do I'll tell you why he had to do that. Because there was a love that was in him, that was defined by him, that was established by him, and that love was for you. And the pressure was building. There was a pressure in the depths of heaven as he watched the Israelites in the days of old mess up along the way. And, and all of a sudden, he'd step in for a moment. He would release them into the freedom of the promised land. And he would, he would send Elijah to them. And they would have great victories on Mount Carmel. And he would send David the king. And he would send Solomon. He would send the prophets. And the people still didn't get it. So God said, okay, I've sent prophet, I've sent judge, I've sent king, I've sent preacher, I've sent teacher, I've sent singers, I've sent instrumentalists, and nobody's catching on to everything. I guess I've got to go. And he steps out of heaven. And the Bible says in Matthew that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and Mary conceived and brought forth a child and they named him Jesus. And Jesus walked on this earth and he started a ministry. And when he started his ministry, he did not put one religious leader on the religious team. He picked fishermen. He picked tax collectors. He picked zealots. He picked no names from nowhere. And he created this band of disciples. And the one that was the most outspoken didn't have a degree on the end of his name. He had only gone to the school of hard knocks of figuring out how to catch crappies. He, he didn't understand how it was to, to catch men. He just knew how it was to throw a net in the lake and, and begin to, to gather fish up and, and begin to clean them and, and sell them at market. And, and he didn't understand what Jesus, but there was something magnetic about Jesus. That when Jesus said, come and follow me, there was something so magnetic and so powerful that these men dropped what they were doing and began to follow him. And we read that in Matthew today. Levi says he dropped everything and he followed him. And a little while later, he has dinner. And I don't know about you, but in my brain, I can think him saying, okay, let's see I'm now a disciple of the rabbi. I'm a disciple of Jesus who is doing miracles, signs, and wonders. He is definitely someone sent from God. He is definitely all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's got it all together. I can't invite my friends because my friends are, in the New Living Translation, scum. He doesn't invite the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He gathers a bunch of scum. And Jesus shows up. 
I need somebody to get this today. Jesus is not attracted by your religiosity. He is not attracted by how much you pray and how much you read and how much you do. He is attracted to scum. I know you're chuckling, but when you get the power of this, there is something that attracts all of heaven. And that is people that don't think they have it all together, but totally understand that they are messed up people. That they don't have it all together. That they haven't figured it all out. That they don't dress just the right way. That they don't think just the right way. There's something that attracts all of heaven when he sees people that are hurting and suffering and struggling and fighting. He's not looking for people that have it all together. He's looking for people that are all messed up. The story of Easter is not about a God trying to save a religious group of people. It's about a God that stepped into the world to save a mess of people. And until you get the mess, you don't have a message. And until you go through the test, you don't have a testimony. You see, you're not messed up because of who you are. You're messed up because God is attracted to you. You see, let me put it to you this way. God is attracted to the one thing that you have that he can never possess. Pastor, you can possess it all. No, no, no. There's one thing that he can't, that we all do. And so it attracts him. It pulls him. It says, I've got to go to Samaria. It says, Zacchaeus, I've got to get to your house today. It says, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. It, it, it says, I've come that they might have life and that more abundant. There's something that attracts God because God can never possess it. Can I tell you what he can never possess? That you have a need. The story of Easter is that Jesus saw a humanity that had a need for somebody to step into the gap and his love was drawn to that need. And he said, here I come. You see, we get it backwards. Well, how can God ever love me? I, I haven't done the right thing. I haven't, I haven't acted the right way. I haven't said the right thing. I've, I've treated people wrong. I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. I've done that. And I've done this. And I've done... And the whole time you're saying that, he's saying, that's what I like about you. I can help you. You see, I can't help somebody that thinks they have it all together. I can't assist anybody that thinks they know all the T's that are crossed and the I's that are done. I don't. I can't help those that have their plan and are so stubborn to stay within their plan. I can only come alongside those that recognize that they are 
several years ago, he made a statement that I've never forgotten. He said the Lord talked to him before he began to preach. He said, if you bring me the problems into the house, the presence of God will come into the house. The reason why we sense the atmosphere of the presence of God in this church isn't because we've got the greatest musicians, although they're really, really, really good. They're not the greatest singers, although they're really, really, really good. But what is attractive to the presence of God is we have gathered together a group of people that know we don't have it all together. We're not perfect. We've messed up. We've uh, tripped over our own two feet. We haven't thought the right way, said the right thing, acted the right way. And all of a sudden, God said, I can do something with that kind of people. Can I tell you the churches that have stopped attracting the messed up people are the ones that don't have a message anymore? The ones that just haven't cut and dried. I can do this. I can do that. I've got it all together. I've got my shirt on just right. I've got my tie up just right. I've got everything just done. I can clap at the right time. I can say amen at the right time. I can sing at the right time. Can I tell you that does not attract God at all? Because God can't help them. And God is a very present help in the time of trouble. Very present help in the time of trouble. You see, when stones start moving, the dead couldn't raise on their own. Because the rocks were blocking them. There's some of us here today. You've got some stones in front of you. You've got some rocks blocking you. There's some of you here today that you are dealing with depression immensely. And every time you try to think your way out of it, eat your way out of it, figure your way out of it, you just bang your head against the wall and the rock doesn't move. Some of you are here, several of you are here, not just some of you, several of you are here that you are dealing with immense illness in your bodies. You are ravaged with sickness. And you have tried all the things that the doctors have asked you to do. And every time it just feels like, hmm, Some of you have family issues. Who, me? Who, all of us? And you try to please this person, and you try to please that person, and you try to maneuver around this, and try to maneuver around that. And all the time, you're hitting against a stone. And the whole time, your depression is overwhelming you and you're hitting your head against the brick wall. The whole time that your addiction is messing with you. The whole time your family is causing you chaos. The whole time your sickness is making you feel like nobody cares and nobody's there. All that time, God is standing there saying, I am getting attracted to that person. You see, I mentioned Samaria. 
We talked about it in John chapter 4. He must needs go through Samaria. Jews never did that. But he was attracted to a lady who was all messed up. Had five husbands. The man she was with wasn't her husband. Came in shame at noontime to the well. Got into an argument with Jesus, which I would never suggest you do. Because you won't win. But as she's talking to him, that was the divine appointment that Jesus lined up for that day. When he said, I've got to go to Samaria. Somebody's drawing me there. Could I just mention to you today that Jesus said, I've got to go to Coon Rapids. He's walked into this house where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. I believe that Jesus himself risen from the dead. The stone's been rolled away. He's walking in and amongst us and he's trying to reach out to us. He's trying to touch us. He's trying to strengthen us. Why? Because he's attracted to us. There was something in the heart of God this morning that says, I've got to get to 10, 110, one crest drive northwest in Coon Rapids, Minnesota, because there's somebody that's going to be sitting in a chair that's hurting, that's lonely, that's struggling, and I love that. You see, when we treat Easter, we usually treat Easter the other way. And we rejoice because he's alive. And well, we should. But Jesus doesn't treat Easter that way. Jesus says this about Easter. I've got another opportunity to touch somebody. The stone has been moved. And so here I come. Teenager who had a messed up schedule for the last 12 months. You have felt disjointed, unconnected, and just out in the woods on your own. Jesus is attracted to you today. Family of a prodigal, you wonder where that child is, what they're doing, how they're coping. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is attracted to you. You messed up this week. You fell flat on your face. You committed even a sin and you know it. And the devil has come in and has tried to heap a bunch of guilt and shame on you. Has tried to make you feel like you're worthless. Like you're no good. That you shouldn't even come to church. That you shouldn't even pray. That you shouldn't even sing. That you shouldn't even listen to the word of God. Can I just tell you friend. If that's you. That's the devil. Because what Jesus is saying is. I see you. I know you. I've already paid the price for you. I've already made a way for this to be all fixed. Out. I've already got hope banked for you. I've already got joy banked for you. Just come back to me. I love you. I'm attracted to you. Can I just tell you? We hear this statement all the time. And it's true more often than not. And all of you that are married or together today, you can look at your spouse or your significant other and look at them and say, is it really true? Opposites do attract. Tony's shaking his head. Opposites do attract. Here's the thing. 
fulfills all personalities. He fulfills all desires. He's got them all. So he's attracted not to just the quiet ones, but also to the loud ones. And he's attracted not just to the introvert, but to the extrovert. He's not just into the CEO, but he is to the janitor. He is attracted to everybody that has a need because he's the opposite of everybody because he is pure and holy and righteous and true. And you and I that are filthy, we're messed up, we're, we need a miracle at all times. And God says, I'm attracted to that because opposites attract. Somebody's got to hear this today. God has walked into this place trying to get somebody's attention. You have been trying to negotiate with God upon how good you need to be and how much you have to have in order in order for him to use you. Listen, my friend, if you read the Old Testament, he used Balaam's donkey. And if he'll use a donkey, he'll use you. Why? Why? Why do we get so concerned? Why do we get so... That we have to be clean and righteous for him to come in and say, I love you. Because what I have found in my 50 years of living is that humanity does everything backwards. Everything backwards. Can I just tell you that we live in a blessed country? We really do. As much as it's messed up, it's still a blessed country. But can I just tell you why I believe the greatest explosion of the Spirit of God is getting ready to happen? It's because our country is heading into a place that says it does not need God. That's not a political statement. That's a reality statement. Can I tell you some of this, the countries in the world that have had the greatest harvests? I've seen it with my own. I haven't been there, but I've seen the video. Hundreds of thousands of people in a field getting healed, getting delivered, getting baptized with the Holy Ghost, lives being changed, miracles taking place. Can I tell you why it was happening over there as, and it wasn't happening in here? Why over here you might have a miracle here or a miracle there and a here a little, there a little, but it was never in that. Can I tell you what? Here's the reason why. Over in those countries, they knew they were messed up. They didn't have the economic engine. They didn't have the political engine. They didn't have the constitutional engine that protected everything. You see, when our founders set up this country, there were some provisions there that, that reaped the blessings of God. But when we started stepping away from the blessings of God and we started allowing in some of the mindsets of the enemy and all of the things that began to take place, all of a sudden we began to walk away from the precepts of God. And when we walked away from the precepts of God, God had to step back a little bit. Because when you walk away from the precepts of God, here's what you're saying to God. I can do it. 
I can figure it out. I don't need you. You may not have ever done that in those words. You may have never stopped and said, God, I don't need you. I can do this. But every time you try to figure out your journey without praying, that's what you're saying. Every time you try to figure out the health of your body without acknowledging him, you're saying, I've got this, God. Every time there's a family struggle and you say, I'm just going to do this because this is the way it needs to be done. What you're saying is, God, I've got this. And when we've got it, God is turned off. Let me just take a quick poll. How many like to spend more than 10 minutes with a know-it-all? Right? Some of you are going, I think he's talking about me. Nobody wants to sit with somebody that knows everything. Because even if you do know everything, you're wiser to keep your mouth closed. But here's the thing. God doesn't want to spend time with somebody that knows everything. I'm trying to keep you away from this show. But you're bound to determine to watch it. And there may not actually be anything wrong with the show, but for the person that God is dealing with, it may cause them turmoil. But you're bound to determine to know that you've got it all under control. And God is saying, okay, I'll wait for you when you mess up and you come crying to me. Listen, there are habits and things that you and I get ourselves into and we think we know how to deal with them and God is turned off by that. How do I know? Because the wisest man in all of time wrote this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, all your ways, all means all. In Hebrew, in Greek, in Aramaic, and in English, it means everything. Acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Can I just tell you the reason if you want to attract God in your marriages, in your relationships, in your families, create a need. God, I need you. God, we need you. God, this church needs you. You see, part of the problem is we don't have enough needs. Pastor, we've all got needs. Yeah. Have you acknowledged it to him yet? Or are you fighting to make your own way, your own path? Well, I don't want you to go this direction. Let me just talk to some of you sophomores, juniors, seniors, first years of college. Don't get so bogged down with what you're going to be when you're 30 that you miss out what God wants to use when you're 20. We live in an atmosphere, 
in the educational system, in the job system, that you should have it figured out before you graduate high school, which school you're going to go to, what's going to be your major, what you're going to, what career path you're going to take. Listen to me, my friend. God is not wanting you to miss the journey between 18 and 30 just to get you to your career. He's wanting you to fall flat on your face before God and say, God, what do I need to do this month? What do I need to do this semester? Where do you want me to land right now? Because when you begin to create that need, all of a sudden the presence of God says, I can work with that. And by the time you get to 30, you're going to look back over the last decade. If the Lord should tarry, you're going to say, I never dreamed I'd ever be doing what I'm doing. I'm going to use an example of a preacher. I heard him use this example back in 2002. And the Lord brought it to my memory. Thank God for YouTube and internet. Because I remembered it. I actually have it written down in one of my Bibles. And it was a conference that we were at that I had written down what he said. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm attracted to crazy preachers. And uh, he was preaching and he has this curly floppy hair up here. And when he would get to preaching, he would start sweating and it would just start flopping. And he was flopping and he stopped in the middle of his message and he said, I believe that God has a certain supernatural radar. And he started shaking like this in the head. He's going around, he goes, I think God just searches the crowd and he sees F, 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 full, 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 empty. Here I come. God is looking for empty vessels so that he can fill an empty vessel. If your vessel is already full, he can't do anything for you. So I close this Easter message with this thought. Read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. What's the other word for void? Let's bring it to New Living Translation. <laughs> Empty. And the Spirit of God hovered over the depths of the sea. What caused God to begin to move? It was a world that was empty. And when it was empty and he began to move, the next thing that he began to do was he began to speak. Let there be light. And there was light. Can I just tell somebody on this Easter Sunday in the year of 2021 that could it be that you haven't heard from God very recently and you wanted to hear from him, but the reason that you haven't heard him is because his spirit hasn't moved over you and the reason his spirit hasn't moved over you is because you're too full. Are you too full of family? Are you too full of 
work? Are you too full of hobbies? Are you too full of this? Are you too full of your 401k? Are you too full of politics? Are you too full of neighborhood get-togethers? Are you too full? If you're too full, it's time to let the stone be rolled away and to empty the tomb. Are all those things bad? No. I challenge you to get up and go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Are having the things in this world? No, they're not bad. Are having hobbies bad? No, they're not bad. Here's what's bad, is when it fills you up too much. If the empty tomb is the sign of Jesus' return, and history will tell you, and Bible manners and customs will tell you, that when they went in and they saw the folded napkin, it, was, it sent a signal to the people of that day that I will return. The question is, is what is he coming back to? And what is he coming back for? Is he coming back for a religious scholar that has it all together, that has 15 letters after his name, that can explain every word of every verse of every scripture? What's he looking for? Is he looking for the perfect man that does everything just right, that does everything according to, that doesn't break, that is perfect? No, he is looking for messed up people that will reach out and take his hand and say, in my weakness, you are made strong. There's a reason why he's not made strong in our strength. Because if we're in our strength, we're all full. I invite you to stand. We've got so many different groups of people here today. And some of you that are guests, maybe you've never been around this kind of preaching. I really am a normal kind of guy. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm actually introverted. Until I do this. But the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching, I can't get up here and just read off notes. I tried to do that. God mixed that. So a lot of times when I come up here, even the notes that I wrote down don't make any sense. Some of you saw my, this is my notes for today. Why does God do this to me? Can I tell you why? Because the more empty I am, the greater he can fill me up. Listen, you hear me pray before I preach every time. Lord, fill me up and pour me out upon your people. I can't be filled with his anointing if I'm full of all the other stuff. And my personality, if I have a bunch of notes, I want to make sure to get to the notes. And so God has done this to me. And I have come to learn to accept it. 
Now, I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I'm trying to give you an example today. When you empty yourself, let him fill you. Amen. But it takes you emptying yourself first. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. The tomb is empty today. The stone has been rolled away. There has been an earthquake that has released the anointing power of Almighty God. If you're here today and you have a physical sickness, with every eye closed, a physical sickness that you cannot overcome on your own, would you raise your hand in the house of the Lord? Yeah, all across this house right now, there's hands that are raised. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your hands raised and everybody else, would you just begin to pray? Lord, by the authority of the blood of the Lamb, your word says, for by your stripes we are healed. Lord, these people have just raised their hands saying that they cannot control the sickness that they're dealing with. They can't handle it. They can't figure it out. That, that God, they're turning it over to you. They are emptying themselves. And Lord, now I'm asking you to stand upon the word of the Lord today and fill the emptiness with the grace of God. Let your healing begin to flow through them. For by your stripes we are healed. Lord, let the recovering power of God begin to move. Let the great physician begin to do its work. Lord God, I'm asking you to step into their spirits right now and not only heal their flesh, but I'm asking you to heal their spirit and their soul right now. Let them sense the warmth of your spirit well up on the inside of them. Let them sense the embrace from on heaven. Let them sense the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now with your eyes still closed, if you are here today and you have been living your life trying to figure it out on your own and you have allowed so much stuff to get full that God hasn't been able to get your attention, would you raise your hand in the presence of God between you and Him? Would you just open up your heart to Him right now? All across this congregation, hands are raised. Right now, God, I am asking you to flood an empty heart. As they turn things over to you right now, I'm asking you, God, to release the rains of heaven. Lord, the latter and the former rain together, let it begin to flow like never before. From the front to the back, from side to side, let the glory of God flow freely and powerfully through each heart and soul that has needed to be emptied. And begin to fill. Begin to fill. Begin to fill. God saved this last one. If you are here today. And you have been dealing with an emotional heaviness. Whether it be depression or despair, discouragement, uncertainty, fear, 
apprehension, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of negativity, thoughts of loneliness and misery. Mm. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that he wants to fill you. Would you raise your hands in his presence and create as it were a funnel above your head as he begins to pour out his anointing spirit upon you? Lord God, let the joy of the Lord become our strength. Let the joy of the Lord become our strength. Lord, from the top of every head to the sole of every foot, Lord God, let the anointing power of Almighty God flow in such a way. Lord, as it were a great bucket of water above their heads, all the way down to their feet, let them sense the joy of the Lord. Let them sense the peace that passes all understanding. Let them understand who you are in a brand new way. Let them feel you step into their emptiness even now. Oh God, by the authority of your word, I come against the voice of the enemy. I come against the voice of him who would try to dispel all things of God that would tell somebody they're not worth it, that would tell somebody that they have think they have messed up too bad, that would tell them that they are no good. Let them hear now, I pray, the voice of the master. Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, God. 
Thank you, God. Listen. This is not emotionalism. And if you're a guest here, there's nothing to be afraid of. We're standing in the presence of Jehovah. And somebody that was empty has been filled with the grace and the mercy of God. There is a powerful anointing that is trying to flow through this church. Not just in this church, but through this church. And somebody needs to take this atmosphere and this message. And you need to walk out of the garden of the tomb. And step into your world this afternoon and tomorrow and Tuesday. And every morning say, God, I'm empty. Fill me up. Every day. And when the enemy starts messing with you, well, I'm not good enough. Oh, I yelled at my husband again. Because husbands never yell at their wives. I've messed up. I've done it. God, you can't really use me. You need to verbally take control of that and say devil that's a lie he's attracted to me because I'm not perfect listen that doesn't mean that we go around sinning it's not licensed for that read Romans 7 and 8 for that but it does mean this walk in the boldness of an empty tomb. Because you are his enjoyment. Because when I became a parent, I learned a brand new thing about God. And that is simply this. I, I wish I could tell you that my two sons are perfect. But they're not. But here's the thing. They're still my sons. And I'm going to still feed them. And we just clothed them again because they keep growing. And there's going to be a roof over their head. And I'm going to be there when they're crying. And I'm going to be there when they're shouting. And I'm going to be there when they're trying to figure life out. Why? Because they are what brings joy to my life. And God is the same way. God is the same way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 